Hey guys, welcome to the Shamelessly Feminine podcast and our first podcast of 2020, which is like amazing. I can't believe it's 2020. I'm so happy it's 2020. I was very happy to say goodbye to 2019. And I'm sure when 2021 hits, we're going to be happy to say goodbye to 2020. That's a topic for another day. But I'm super happy right now that it's 2020. And I'm so happy to be with you on the podcast today because today I have my friend Leah Brathwaite on and she is incredible. You guys are going to love her. She's a certified yoga and meditation teacher, writer, speaker, and coach. I mean, hello, amazing. Um, she studied with and been mentored by world-renowned teachers and coaches. She radically transformed her own life from living lost in fear to a life of fulfillment and freedom and has developed a unique mentorship program that offers her clients the same opportunity to transform their own lives. I, I adore her. She has a coaching program called Live Free Lifestyle, and she has a book called A New Way of Life, A Guide for Transformation from Living a Lie to Freeing Your Soul. Uh, it's a bestseller on Amazon. I contributed to that because I bought it and I read it, and it was <laughs> incredible. And I was just telling Leah that I heard her actually in the Mark Groves podcast. If you guys have not listened to that podcast, it's amazing. So you should check him out. Mark is really, really insightful on the area of relationships and personal development. Um, but I was telling Leah that there are certain times I feel like an energy from somebody and I heard her on Mark's podcast and I was like, this woman needs to be my friend. <laughs> so I did what I do. And I went on Instagram and I was like, I love you. You're amazing. And let's be friends. And uh, I think I can call you a friend now, right? We're friendly. We're yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. To and now you're on the podcast. So I'm so excited. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. And I have to say the feelings were mutual. I was like, this girl is a firecracker. Yes, 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 yes. All yeah. the way. I've <laughs> a firecracker before. So yes, thank you. Uh, well, I'm super happy to have you. And, and um, you are coming all the way from Thailand. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So scheduling this podcast was kind of interesting because we are 12 hours apart. Yes. So it is I'm, evening for me. Yeah. I'm just starting my Saturday and you've already had your Saturday, which I always find fascinating. It's like time travel. Like how I know Saturday? it's like mind blowing. I was like, guys, the future is wonderful. You're totally going to enjoy this. Day. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So let's, let's start from the beginning because I know your story, but everybody out there doesn't tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to Thailand to this point, right? Or not, not just to Thailand, but how, how this all happened. Because to me, I know your story and I see Thailand as sort of the epitome of like this whole thing happening, right? But, but tell us a little bit about you, how you discovered this and, and the story of Leah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of a full circle moment to be in Thailand. And we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But um, I guess you could say this all pretty much started about six years ago. Um, and it was one of those moments that I write about in the book where I realized that I had all of the things that I had been aspiring to. I was a very like ambitious, driven woman. I was like, I have a list of things that I need to knock off and I'm going to get it all done. So first on the list was getting married and then it was the career and then it was the house and then it was the bigger house and all of these things and then the cars and the vacations. And I was just really motivated by external things like the, when I have, I kind of call it. So when I have the, the next handbag of the season, or when I have the vacation in this location, or when I have the bigger house, then I'll be happy. And then I would get those things and I'd be like, damn, I'm really not as happy as I thought I was going to be. Like, this isn't really doing it for me. And so that moment came um, after years of kind of searching and, 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 and succeeding in many ways. Um, I came to a point where I was standing in my dream home in my dream kitchen and I looked around and it was like a voice from inside rose up and was like, no, this is not happening for another second, like not for another second, things aren't actually okay. And all this time I was kind of pushing down these feelings of anxiety, like major anxiety, and then coupling that with depression. I was like feeling guilty that I wasn't happier and I had all the things that I wanted and yet I still wasn't satisfied. So it was this, this perfect storm of dissatisfaction, of feeling lost and of not really knowing what to do next. And that moment in the kitchen was like the pivotal changing moment where I was like, I have a choice here to pretend that I'm not hearing this voice that's saying, no, this is, you're doing it wrong. Like we need more or to listen to it and do something different. Mm. And what made me 
I guess, muster the courage to do that was the fact that I had lived 30 years this one way and it wasn't working. I was like, I don't think I could do another 30 years like this. Like something has got to change. And so that was literally the shifting moment where I, I changed. I just decided, okay, there has to be another way. And then I went on a search to figure out what that other way was. And let me tell you, it was a search. It was a journey. <laughs> and it was and a lot so, of change. And that is what is so brave about this whole thing is that you, it's not like, you know, you said, okay, I'm unhappy and I'm going to, this is what I want to do instead. I know what I want to do instead. You said, I'm unhappy and I have no idea what the next step is. It could be off a cliff for all I know, but I'm just going to take what it. what it felt like. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. what it felt like. Totally. So, well, that's exactly it. I realized like I didn't actually know what I wanted. I was checking off this list because everybody else was doing it. Everybody else was like getting married and having their jobs and buying their cars and whatever. So it was like, I'm keeping up with the Joneses because I feel like the Joneses know what they're doing because right. everybody's the Joneses. Right. So I got to this point where I had like lost myself in this search that wasn't even mine. These weren't even things that I was like deeply passionate or motivated by. These were just external things that I thought I needed that I thought were going to bring me this feeling of fulfillment and freedom. And instead they did the complete opposite. So is that a matter of how you were raised? I mean, I hate to go blaming the parents, right? Because I am one and I, and believe me, I know I'm screwing up my kids, but I find it even in my life, cause I have that, right? I'm married. I have kids. I have the house. I have the car. I have the dog. I have the white picket fence, the whole thing. And there are times where I want to pull my hair out and go, this is just not what I want. You know, there's times it is what I want. It's a very conflicting, you know, there are times it makes me very happy and other times it makes me feel very trapped. Um, but I, I, at my age, because I'm older than you, I say to myself, you know, is this, what is it about it? You know, that, and, and is it, am I doing this because this is what I was raised and this is what I believe, but is it the only way, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm trying to teach my kids, you don't have to get married if you don't want to, you don't have to have kids if you don't want to, if you, you know, whatever mm -hmm. you want your life to be, it can be, but I was raised with, you got to get married. You have to find a nice Jewish boy. You got to raise Jewish children. You have to, you know, go to a nice school district. This is, this is, yeah. you know, the sign. So is it a matter of how you were raised and what you believe and being able to question that? Or is it like just societal? I think it's all of the above, but I think the main thing is coming back to, you said it exactly. What do you believe? Mm -hmm. And that's something that you need to formulate on your own. Like I grew up and I write about this in the book. Like I grew up in a really restrictive fundamentalist religion, which had no sense of autonomy apart from God and the religion. It was like, this is how you live your life. These are the things that you do. Things that you think for yourself are wrong because... I mean, God knows best, obviously right. he's God. <laughs> so it was a matter of, um, feeling this sense of no, no sense of autonomy really. Mm -hmm. And so when you have these beliefs that are instilled on you and you're like, this is what we believe. And this is how we do things, this collective, whether it's like a religion, whether it's your family circle or whether it's society at large, there's a collection of beliefs that are kind of like imprinted into you. And if you don't ever stop to question them, you're going to follow along with these beliefs. Like I need to have these cars or I need to do this thing, or I need to marry a nice Jewish boy and have nice Jewish kids. Like you're going to have these traditions and systems that aren't authentic to yourself. They might be, but they might not be. So I think it's really important that people take the time to really start determining what do you actually believe? And does that resonate as true for you? Mm. And that is what only you can decide for yourself. And I think that is the great mission of life is like, who am I? What do I want? And then when you know those two things, like, how do I get it? And how do I make an impact? How do I serve? And how do I show up in the world? So I had been, I'm really good at taking direction. I'm really good at following rules. I want to do well. I was like a hardcore people pleaser, still recovering from that major perfectionist. So the institution of religion that I was in was, it was like spoon feeding me things that I was like, okay, well, this is, this is what they say to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I didn't really question it mm. until I did question it mm -hmm. and came up with a whole bunch of, of challenges kind of surrounding that. So it was really a journey of navigating my way back to my own truth, back to my authentic self and determining for myself, what do I believe about 
first of all, myself. Mm-hmm. What do I believe about my family, the world at large? What do I believe about spirituality and this idea of God? And it was a relearning of all of these things at 30 years old, which you can imagine is like, felt like I was a little behind. I'm like, oh, shouldn't I have known this when I was a kid? But I think the entire journey to that is what allows us to evolve our gifts. It's what allows us to evolve our strength and what we have to share with the world. So there's no lost moments. There's no mistakes, really. It's all just learning and it's all just finding the edges so that we can find balance in the middle. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm turning 45 this year. So I'm surrounded. I'm sort of in that in between, like a lot of my friends are just turning 40 and a lot of my friends are turning 50. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of like in that in between. And a lot of us don't have it figured out yet either. You know, a lot of, and I think it's a constant it's right. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I would imagine you discovered what you wanted, you go for it, but it doesn't just stop there. You're there's still new challenges and new and new things that you're like, wait, well, there's another layer to this. It's like an onion, right? Like once you go back the one layer, they're like, well, now what do I believe about this? And what do I believe about that? So it's an ongoing journey. Totally. And that's the beauty of it. It's an, it's a constant evolution and that's exactly it. It's like this onion of uncovering more truth, more authenticity, more of who you are and and what you, how you're supposed to show up in the world. And I think that's what life is supposed to be about this constant evolution, Mm. because if you're not changing, if you're not growing, if you're not expanding, what are you doing? You're either shrinking or you're atrophying. You're basically staying the same, but life is this constant movement. So there's going to be layers. And this is the thing that I teach in the program is like, you have this framework of moving through each layer, because as you reach the next thing that you want, there's of course going to be something else that you're going to want after that. And how you keep evolving yourself is by removing these layers that are basically barriers between your truth and how you interact with the world. Mm. So as far out as you can imagine expanding your life is as far inward as you're able to go and discover more parts of yourself, more strengths, more areas that need a little bit more love and attention, more wounds that are holding you back, more limitations, more outdated beliefs. So it's the beauty of being alive and being aware. And it's a double-edged sword because it's like the more you know, the less you know almost. Like the more you discover about yourself, the more you're like, oh my God, there's so much more that I can keep discovering. And that's the journey of life. Like that's that's what it's supposed to be about. It's this constant evolution. And it sounds magical, right? Like I sometimes listen to things like this or I read a self-help book and I'm like, this sounds magical. Like if I could just find who I am, it's like magic. But the truth <laughs> is it's really hard work it's, and it's painful yeah. sometimes. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, I say jokingly, not jokingly, you know, I always find since the, we're at the new year, at the end of a new year, people go, that year sucked. I can't wait for the next year. And then this year will go by and everybody will say, you know, 2020 sucked. I can't wait for 2021. <laughs> and I, it makes me laugh every year. Everyone's like, so how, how bad was that year? And I'm like, really? Was it bad? Now, I had a really tough 2019, really tough, which a lot yeah. of things that I haven't talked about publicly, but I, I had a really tough 2019. And it's super mm-hmm. easy for me to say, oh, I'm so glad it's not 2019 anymore. But the truth is I was the same person on December 31st as I was on January 1st. It has nothing to do with the year. In our mm-hmm. mind, we sort of reset that, right? But I had, a, I had a really, really tough year. And I could look at that year and say, well, that year just sucked. Screw that. I'm going to put 2019 behind me. Or I can say, you know what? 2019 was such a growth opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard. <laughs> it was really, yeah. it was a lot of suffering in 2019 for me. Mm-hmm. But I grew tremendously from it. And I yeah. hope that there's some of that in 2020 also. You know, that's why everybody says, well, I hope this year is going to be perfect. No, don't ask for perfection. You need some no. of that suffering and that, um, discomfort to grow. Totally. I love, I love, love, love this fact because I think it's so easy to like get caught up in the magic of like, Oh, fulfill your dreams and just reach for the stars. Yes. I am like one of the biggest proponents and like supporters of that, but I also need to like, let people know that it, it is hard work. It is an uncovering and it is a changing and any change is going to be uncomfortable. But like you said, going a, a about 2019, that was a fucking hard year for a lot of people. Like I know you suffered immensely. I had like really massive challenges. And here's the thing. We're in 2020 right now. 
And when you look back, you're like, holy shit, that was hard. Here I am still standing though. So I can do hard things. Like I might be a little bruised. I am tender in some areas, but I'm capable of doing these really hard things. And it's beautiful that you said, like, don't wish for perfection because when you go to the gym and you want to like, I don't know, work your abs or get biceps or something, you start with like a lighter weight. And as you get stronger, you get bigger, heavier weight. So it's the same sort of thing with your personal development and growth. You're going to be challenged. It's that like literally tearing of the old muscle Mm -hmm. to create new space and new blood to come into form this new muscle. It's the same sort of thing with the evolution of your soul. It's not this, I mean, it is this magical journey. When you look back, you're like, well, isn't that lovely? Look at all those dots that connected. The universe really did have my back. But when you're in the middle of it, you're like, this shit is hard. Like this sucks. I don't want to be here. And that's, that's where the strength comes from. When you can hold your nerve, when you can hold to that dream of whatever you're going for, you can hold on to that little hope or that glimmer of magic. That is what gets you through the dark times. And it's just remembering that that tiny spark, that tiny flame within you can illuminate even a cavernous like black hole. There's always this little spark And if you can just remember that it's there, if you can just turn towards it and fan it a little bit, like give it a little bit of love, it will get bigger and roar into a flame. And so, yes, it's a hard journey for any kind of change. Yes, especially when you're changing belief systems and um, limitations that you've believed in or bought into for so many years, it's going to be uncomfortable because as you change, everything around you changes. Mm. And that's why I think, I started to have the most transformation and the most rapid growth when I stopped trying to like bang my way through the bushes of this self-discovery process. And I was like, I need help. (laughs) Like Mm. I invested in mentors. I invested in training. I did a lot of research, a lot of reading. Um, And I think that's, that's what we need to do if we do want to get out of those dark places. If we do want to have that massive growth, it's taking charge of the situation. I think you even said it like you're in control. Like you get to decide what the outcome is. If you're willing to put in the work and if you're willing to get help, you can go much further than if you're just sitting and being like, that was hard. I don't ever want to do it again. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I have, I have like a hundred questions for you. Um, before we do that, before we do that, I just want to take a moment and talk about, I am very excited to say we have our first sponsor on the Shamelessly Feminine podcast, which is awesome um, because we want to keep this podcast going. And our new sponsor is Tipsy Chicks. So anybody with, you know, chicks in their name, I'm all about it. I love the women. So um, I want to tell you guys about it fast. If you are looking for a unique, fun gift for a birthday or wedding, a bachelorette party, or just a girl's night out, you guys should go visit Tipsy Chicks. I did. They make adorable stuff. It's a woman-owned business, which I love, that encompasses a very a variety, excuse me, of gift items, fun products that make fantastic gifts. So they have original, whimsical, captivating, and cost-effective gifts. Uh, my favorite thing that they have are these super cute magnetic drink charms. And um, they're not like those cheesy little like, you know, wire things you put on your wine glasses, because I don't know about you, but we're a wine drinking house. And the most popular question when we're drinking wine is like, is this your glass or my glass? <laughs> is this your glass or my glass? And we like try to like investigate the lips. Is there lipstick on there? What color is it? Does it match your lipstick? <laughs> no, there's no lipstick. It must be my husband. So anyway, you guys should go check out their drink charms. Um, they have this, like, um, they have over a hundred varieties of those. They have bracelet flasks, which sounds kind of amazing. Um, and they have perfect trendy gifts that you guys will love and you can customize them if you want to. So that's, that's really awesome. I love that. So you guys have to check out their website. You'll be so excited to see what they have. It's tipsychicks.com for your fabulously fun gift needs. It's T-I-S-P-Y-C-H-I-C-S.com. You're going to love it. Support our sponsors. And you know what, you guys, they gave me a code so you guys can save money if you use the code SHAMELESS. So check them out. Customize wedding gifts. Definitely check out those wine charms. They're super cute. I show them to my husband. There's like three of them that were like, we need to get those. So check those out. Thank you, Tipsy Chicks, for supporting us as well. I appreciate that. 
Okay. Now that I'm done with my first sponsorship, um, this is what I, this is what really stands out about your journey for me. Um, and again, I read your book, so I understand that you, that moment in your kitchen and, and you're married and you're, you know, in this religion and you have, and again, the house, the whole thing. And most of us feel this obligation to everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you're uncovering these layers. I mean, I look at somebody who, for example, maybe wants to break away from a certain religion. That's hard. Just that's hard. But then also dealing with divorce and then dealing with going against societal ideas about the house. I mean, you probably, I think you had mentioned in the book, like the house was fairly new, you know, you put money into the house. So there's that, that inner dialogue I would imagine of like, you can't do this. You just put all this money in this house and this, mm-hmm. and this, everybody else's life is affected by this. You know, I have a husband and I have family and, mm-hmm. and it can, I think that's where most women fall is we say, well, we have to protect everybody else. Like you say, it's a people pleasing moment. So totally. just doing one of those things is difficult. How were you able to turn to your husband, your family, um, and say, listen, this is what's going to happen. And then be able to tune out the, are you crazies? <laughs> because I'm sure you got that. I'm, I'm making an assumption, but I'm sure you yeah. got that. There was, there was not only the outside of that, but there was the inside of that as well. Um, I think it's coming back to like what we were talking about with like a really hard year. Like when you're in it, you don't think you're ever going to make it out. And then when you're on the other side, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Um, but it actually started first with um, losing my religion. Essentially, mm-hmm. I was having a crisis of faith and I was like, I think there's something wrong and I don't know what it is. Um, and that was kind of the thing that started everything because all of that belief structure is what I based all of my decisions on. And that's what I mean when I say like that, what you believe is the most potent, um, determinant of the quality of your life. Like you make all of your choices based on what you believe. So I believed that this religion was the only way that you could live your life, that you had to do things this one way, that was it. Um, and you had to follow these rules. And as soon as I started to question that and I was like, okay, if I remove that from the equation, what am I left with? And then it was almost like everything was on a table with like wobbly legs. Like I took out the main leg of, Mm. of the structure. And then everything started to crumble. And I was like, Oh boy, I've made a lot of decisions thinking somebody else's thoughts Mm. instead of really resonating with what was true inside of me. Um, so it was, it was with the help of the therapist. Mm. Um, I started with therapy and that was enough to open things up. And I remember once, um, she asked me very, just just kind of an offhanded question, like, well, what do you want? And I was like, (laughs) I had no idea how to answer it because it was really a matter of like, well, this makes my mom happy. This makes the people in my religion happy. This makes God happy. This makes my husband happy. And that's what I thought the purpose of my life was to make other people happy. And then somehow I would be able to like squeeze some happiness out of all of that for myself. And when she let me know that it was okay to have my own desires and it was okay to want things, it was like this permission slip that I had never known was possible. And I was like, wow, okay, I don't know. I don't know what I want. Mm -hmm. And it took a while to figure it out. And so it was a lot of um, just, I felt like a small child again. Like, I don't, what are my favorite things to do? Do I like to color? Do I like to paint? Like, that's what it felt like. And when you're in this space of like starting from scratch, like it's really important to be delicate and gentle with yourself and to have support, whether it's a, like a therapist, a sponsor, a coach, a mentor, um, to help guide you through it. Because like you said, it's very, um, it's very tender and it's very like, there's so much unknown that it's easy to get overwhelmed. So it was one step at a time, like determining what was important to me, what I believed about myself what I wanted out of life. And it was really just an exploration. So it started with yoga. Mm -hmm. I was really drawn to, and this is like a tip for anybody who's like, well, I have no idea what I want. We're so attached to our phones and our Instagram, like the answer lies in Instagram. If you scroll through your feed, what are the things that you're most attracted to? Is Mm -hmm. it really great photographers or is it um, people who travel? Is it people who do yoga or dance or singers or whatever? 
see if you can find a common theme. And in mine, I had never really done, I did yoga like in college, um, but it was frowned upon in my religion. So I stopped doing it, but I had, I felt good in my body when I did it. So I start, I went back to it. Um, and that started to open up different pathways. I started to clear parts of my thinking by moving my body and I started to open up and feel things differently. Um, and from there it was just the next step and the next step and the next step. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like when you decide to change, whether you're going through a divorce or you're switching careers or leaving a religion or separating from family or whatever it is, it can really seem like a big friggin' mountain in front of you. And you're like, there's no way that I can climb this thing. But if you just put one foot in front of the other, the next right step that's in front of you, the next thing that feels aligned and true for you, that is how you'll eventually get to the top and realize you scaled something that seemed impossible. Mm. So I remember one conversation with my therapist. She's like, you know what? I had another client who was also in the same religion. He left. It only took him about a year to figure things out and he's got a beautiful life. And I remember her thinking like, there's no friggin' way. A year? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> there's no way I will survive a year by myself because leaving this religion means leaving your entire community, your entire mm. support structure. I was like, I can't do it. There's no way. And she's like, you can do it. You'll be fine. And I was like, there's no friggin' way. And sure enough, it was with guidance and support and through my own desire, that little spark that I was talking about before, that little spark that kept things going, even when it got really, really dark. Um, that was the power of just getting, tuning in, just being willing to listen to the the whispers of your soul. That is the little spark that you need to be able to make massive transformation in your life. And I love that you turned to yoga for that because I'm a huge yoga advocate. I, I, I try to do yoga as much as I can. It's been very hard the last few years with my surgeries and whatnot physically to do yoga. Um, but every time I go to yoga and I try to bring a friend with me and they say, Oh, it's too hard for me, not physically, but mentally. I'm like, though, that's why you need to go <laughs> by the way. Yeah, like exactly. that means you should go because <laughs> there's something going on there, you know? And that's, yeah. that's what I love about yoga that I think is so misunderstood by the general population that maybe doesn't get it is that yoga teaches you so much on that mat, sometimes in the physical way that you can put forth into an emotional way. So like holding a pose for a certain period of time or pushing your body or saying, Hey, you know what? Now when I'm in downward dog, my heels go down. When in the beginning, my heels were like all the way up, look at the transition that I've made, but it takes, it's like not noticeable. It's little, 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 little. And then all of a sudden you go, Whoa, look, I can do this that I couldn't do before. Um, or a headstand or whatever it is, but it really is, um, an inward exercise as well as an outward exercise. And that's why I always say to people, you should do yoga. They, they, I don't want to do yoga. I'm like, well, then you probably should do it even more. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's, it's a system. It's like a technology. And I've studied a few different um, pathways of yoga, a few different styles. And it really is like a technology. Like you said, it's not just the mental part of it, but physiologically, the way our energy is stored, unprocessed emotions and traumas like that, gets trapped in your body. If oh that energy God. isn't released, it gets trapped. And that was one of the experiences I had for like very early on in yoga. I was like, why am I so angry in this pose? Why mm -hmm. do I want to literally throw daggers at this lovely yoga teacher <laughs> making me do something hard? And it was, it was all of these stories that started to come up and started to be cleared and and that it can be triggering sometimes. So I'm like, okay, yeah. if you're not ready to do yoga, that's fine. But know that it's there for you when you're ready to start opening up into different aspects of yourself. Yeah. And, yeah, like you yeah. And the mind body connection. I mean, I talk about it on this podcast mm -hmm. all the time because I mean, breast cancer, hello. Yeah. So, you know, there is definitely, this is part of what my 2019 was about, was about clearing certain things that I really believe contributed to, to having a body that cancer could live in you know, mm -hmm. and getting rid of the toxicity. And I think there's a huge mind-body connection in that way. And I realized after cleaning up all my food and my supplements and my, you know, not, I'm not going to, you know, drink as much alcohol or I'm not going to, um, you know, whatever it is, or I'm going to exercise more. 
it's like, okay, that's all well and good, but what about your relationships? What about your home? What about your, you know, what you're telling yourself? What about beating yourself up over your body? You know, like there's toxic mental stuff that's going on that I needed to clear up. And, you know, I I tell this story a lot, but um, a quick story. I was in a yoga class once where the instructor um, said, is anybody new here? Yeah, this girl raises her hand. She says, okay, do you have any injuries I need to know about? She said, well, my hip really hurts. And the yoga instructor said, well, how's your relationship with your mother? And the woman instantly started crying. Like it was like a slight switch. I mean, I felt bad for her. Like she should have maybe been called out in front of the whole class. But she Mm. said, how did you know? She said, go heal your relationship with your mother and your hip will be fine. And it was, you know, I, I find a lot of times like I'll do pigeon pose, for example, which is a hip opener and I'll start getting emotional. Like I get teary eyed or I've cried in yoga more than once. I'm not going to lie to you. So, oh my gosh. Yo, my goodness. I can't yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> numerous, numerous times. Totally. But it's so like, good. It feels good. so much. Yeah. yeah. Restores so, so much. Like hips are super triggering for me. It was like, rage. I was like having a lot of rage under that big smile and everything's fine. I'm so happy. I was like, really? I'm not. Um, and it all started to come out in those yoga poses, like holding warrior pose was like, Ooh. Yeah. So you you talk about feeling happy. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I want to know now that you're on the other side of it, what is the difference now in what you feel in your body than what you felt before. So in other words, the question is sort of twofold. What is it like to feel happy? So we could recognize that. And what is it like to, to not feel happy? I mean, I know everybody, you know, it seems these days is suffering from anxiety, depression, and there's part of me that wants to, I understand that it's a chemical thing. And then there's part of me that says, well, something is going on in your life. That's not in alignment. That's where mm-hmm. that comes from, you know, mm-hmm. and, or maybe amplifies it. So Tell me what those those things were that, that are um, warning signs or red flags that you're like, something's not in alignment in my life. And then when your life is in alignment, how it feels differently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, for the anxiety and depression thing, there's sometimes it is a biochemical um, right. disruption that needs like medication, that needs psychotherapy or psychiatry or whatever it is. And sometimes it's not so much depression as much as it is repression, Mm. which is what it was in my case. I had been repressing my feelings, myself, my desires, my voice, my truth for so many years that it was literally like a frustrated spirit that was just so agitated and easily triggered. And the way that manifested for me was in anxiety, in constant comparison, in judgment of others and projecting of others, and this insecurity and inadequacy that drove all of my decisions, which was that insatiable hunger for more. If I have the same purse as her, then I'll be on the same level as her and like that sort of thing. It's just the shallowness of trying to seek the easy way out by maybe getting a new handbag or a better car or a bigger house. Um, So not feeling happy is, and happiness is also like a word that it's kind of like you slap it on there and it kind of covers a, a range of things. But I think contentment or peace or ease are words that are fulfillment. I think that um, were really what I was looking for. Like in the broadest sense, I was like, I just want to be happy because I don't feel happy. Mm -hmm. But really what it meant was I wanted to have meaning. I wanted to have a sense of purpose in my life. I wanted to have authentic relationships and actual deep connection with people. Um, but really I was longing for that for myself because Mm -hmm. I had been completely disregarding this human that I am in search for myself and other people. Um, and I wanted to feel at peace and at ease in my mind and in my body and in my spirit. And so that agitation and that dissatisfaction that I felt, it wasn't because I wasn't grateful for the things that I had. It wasn't because I didn't love my husband at the time or my family or my friends. It was because I was pretending to be something that I wasn't to maintain all of that. Mm. So I was being driven by this external, um, sense rather than something deep inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And to be perfectly honest, to make ourselves truly happy, it's really very simple. Like be connected to your heart and be open to experiencing the world. Mm -hmm. Like if you could do that, you're going to find ease and peace and, and fulfillment 
in many, many different things, not just in outside pursuits. So it's kind of a convoluted way of saying like when you have a lot of comparison or you have a lot of insecurity or anxiety or um, this feeling of not quite enoughness, that's an indication that there's something out of alignment. And I'm not talking about like biochemical stuff. Like if you're just feeling like you're having to deny yourself to be in partnership, you're not able to be your authentic self in your relationships. You're going to a job that you absolutely hate because it pays you a lot of money, but it really crushes your soul. Those are things that are out of alignment. And there's usually a belief system that's been implanted and hidden somewhere that is telling you that that's the only way that you can do things. Mm -hmm. So that's when it becomes a matter of uncovering what that belief system is and reprogramming it with the truth. So getting in touch with your authentic self and using that as your guide instead of this, this old outdated story that you've been running with. And then once, Oh, sorry. Um, I thought you were done. So go ahead. No, I was going to say, and then once you're able to do that, like once you're able to connect back to yourself authentically, then you're going to start moving probably in a completely different direction. Um, And this isn't to say you have to blow up your whole life. These are small incremental changes that you can make. In my case, it was just overrun by like so many things with like the religion and family traumas and that sort of thing that was like a clean break was necessary or a clean break was what I felt was necessary. Um, But once you start doing the incremental changes of that belief system and moving more in an authentic, truthful manner that's like aligned and resonating with who you really are, then that peace starts to come in. The stories start to quiet in your mind. You start to feel more ease in your life. You feel more fulfillment, more meaning. Your relationships change. You're able to connect on a deeper level and feel, actually feel, because I think a lot of us have like three emotions. Like in my case, it was like, like happy, quote unquote, happy, um, sad. And then like that shit crazy. Like I would fly off the handle. (laughs) and just like unable to control things because I was limiting the amount that I could feel Mm. so that I wouldn't have to deal with shame so that I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. to deal with all of those like sad, vulnerable emotions that I had never been able to deal with before because I Mm. wasn't safe in my household. So I love that you talk about being able to experience the world. And that's one of the things that for me is so important with my children, especially is, you know, travel. And Mm -hmm. I know it's not uh, feasible for everybody, but I try to um, get out as much as possible. Because I think when you do that, you see, well, wait a minute, I'm in this religion, but there's like 58 million other religions out there. And all those people think that that's the way it is too. Like, so we all yeah. can't be right. Like it's just, yeah. we all can't be right. That's just not going to work. Um, you know, or even, um, you know, like I live in a very like homogenous town, you know, and, and I also get caught up in the things. Right. And it's so good sometimes even just to travel in the United States to go, oh, wait, there's so much else out there. It's amazing. And there's different kinds of people and different experiences. And I, and I love that, you know, I, I, um, and a lot of people here that don't get the opportunity to do that because I travel so much for work say to me, like, I'm so jealous that you get out of here. You know, it's like this, this could be the black hole of life, yeah. in these homogenous little towns, you know, like I'm just going to suck <laughs> you in and never spit totally. you out. Um, so it's, it's yeah. wonderful. I think travel is really wonderful. It's one of the things that I love besides the, the food and the people and all of that. It's just to see that there's so many different ways of life and, you know, mm-hmm. what you believe today might be different tomorrow. Um, and so I want to bring that to you being in Thailand. And, and you said mm-hmm. it was a full circle moment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, when I graduated high school, I was like, okay, the next thing I need to do is go to college because that's the thing that you, you do. do. But <laughs> yeah, but I had a moment like of existential crisis, even out of high school. I'm like, I'm finally free from having to go to school and learn stuff that I don't want to learn. Like, I don't want to go back and start learning again. So I was actually able to take um, some time off and I decided I want to see different perspectives. I want to see more of the world. And so I um, embarked on uh, a quick little program that I took so that I could teach English abroad. And then I went to China Mm -hmm. and taught English there. Um, And I was very young when I did this. I was about 18. And that was like, my gateway to freedom, my eyes were open and I was like, Oh my God, there's a whole new world out there. And it was exciting. And it was 
so different than what I had been taught and it was freedom. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to do meaningful work. Like I don't know what that looks like, but that's the thing that I want to do. And then when I came back um, from teachings, it was just like a summertime program. It was about eight weeks, I think. Um, I was like, yeah, I want to travel and I don't know what I'm going to do for work, but I just want to like do something like I want to help people and I want to live a big life. And everybody was like, well, that's not feasible. Like you need a career and you need a job and Mm -hmm. you need to be able to establish yourself. And so there was that feeding into it. Um, And the other thing that came with that was, I don't know about this religion. Like I questioned it when Mm -hmm. I was 18, but the only example that I had of anybody leaving it was my older sister and she was my hero and she had left and gone to university and was like, I don't want to do this religion anymore. And I was like, I want to be like her. Like, Mm. I I think I can do it too. Um, But because of a lot of like of our family history that she wasn't able to process or that wasn't properly addressed, she had a biochemical um, disruption that kind of caused her to really struggle Um, on top of the biochemical issues were all the other issues that both like her and my brother and I kind of went through. So she was the example of freedom, but she struggled and suffered so much. And it ultimately um, kind of came to a head with a suicide attempt. Mm. And seeing that was the thing that freaked me out. And I was like, oh my God, this is what happens when you don't listen to the rules. This is what Mm. happens when you try to break free. This is what freedom means. It means death. It means like Mm -hmm. suffering. And it literally shoved me right back into my hole. And I was like, I'm going to double down on the religion. I am going to like, just follow all of the rules. I'm going to be the perfect um, Christian. And, and that, and that was the decision that I made then. I was like, okay, I guess my beliefs are wrong. I must not, I must not be able to understand that. And rather than understanding that everybody has a separate journey that will take them to their own healing, to their own transformation, I imprinted my sister's story as if it was my own. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's going to happen to me. And so I stayed stuck in that for another 12 years until I broke out of it and decided, okay, like my soul was like, no, remember the dream that you had of being able to travel, of doing meaningful work, of having a big life. Um, And that was the dream that got me through the really dark, challenging times of unlearning all of the things or all of those layers of fear that I had buried myself under to avoid feeling fear. Mm. Like I just kept piling on the, okay, I'll just pretend that this is okay. And I'll pretend that this is okay. So I was like adding to the layers essentially. And so to be here in Thailand, I'm like, this is pretty radical that it took like this whole beautiful journey to get to this destination. But, but that's kind of the message for everybody. Like everybody has a sense of knowing and a sense of, you knew what you wanted to do when you were younger at Mm -hmm. some point in your life, whether you were really, really young, whether it was when you were 18. And then somehow we see somebody else either struggle or somehow we see how how high the mountain is to climb it. And we get too scared and we back down and we bury it because it's too painful to think about what could be when there's so much, it seems distance in between us and that dream. Mm -hmm. And so my encouragement is like, don't give up on those things. And yes, that's the magic that can pull you through, but recognize it's not just going to fall into your lap. Like it's going to be a journey to get there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a strengthening process so that you can be the person to hold that dream. Like there's no, I don't see any other way for me to have gotten to this place to be able to do the thing that I wanted to do that I meant to do mm-hmm. because I needed to go through that entire process to be able to get the tools to yeah. be here. And that's the that thing when you're in that, when you're in the, the drudges of the whole thing, I always, mm-hmm. you know, cause I get a lot of messages too from people. In fact, I'm, I'm talking to a woman now, you know, especially cause I do this podcast and we talk a lot about a lot of different topics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people will come to me with a lot of cancer stuff, but also a lot of, you know, um, I'm talking to a woman now who's uh, just getting out of an abusive relationship and she'll message me sometimes like, I just can't do it. And I'm like, listen, when you're in those hard moments, like that's mm-hmm. where the work is happening. So you have mm-hmm. to find a way to like love those hard moments, you know, and love that drudgery because 
you can't get away from it. You have to go. The only way out is through. That's like my, one of my favorite expressions. Yes. The only way out is through. You have, you just have to keep saying that to yourself. And you know, I've had, I've had these moments too. I used to say that the anxiety, when I feel anxiety for me, that's just like my intuition banging around until I listen to her. You know, it's like that feeling in the pit of your stomach. That's just your intuition going, hello, I am not going to back down until you listen to me. Um, And it's funny, you know, I had a very similar experience when I was younger. I wanted to go to art school instead Mm -hmm. of college. I wanted to go, you know, to art school. And my parents, I remember having like, and they did the responsible thing, right? They sat me down and they said, listen, to make money as an artist is really, really difficult go to college, get a degree in something that you can have a future in and you'll yeah. be, you'll thank me later. And so I did that. And then I ended up being an artist. So it's like, it's the same. I always say like, uh, and in fact, it's what's funny about it is I went to college for psychology and I minored in art. They were, they allowed me to do that. I was allowed to minor in art and I was like, well, I'll become an art therapist, which I didn't end up doing. I ended up getting married, having kids, the whole thing. And, but now as I'm a photographer, I consider myself a photographer therapist, right? So that's what I do. So I'm like, well, I kind of am an art therapist. You can't, you Mm -hmm. can't squelch the fire. It's always there. And if it burns, you're either going to burn your insides by not listening to it, or you're going to let it out and it's going to burn up the world, you know? And, and and you're, so yeah, I I do believe all of that. And I'm still learning that. I'm still learning that. Mm -hmm. And, And this year for me is really about um, I've had to make some difficult decisions. Like I was writing a book, Shamelessly Feminine, and, and uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the book just yet, but I've decided to put it down for right now because mm-hmm. I had this pressure of like, well, you have to put it out. You have to put it out. You have to put it out. And it's just not feeling right right now. Yes. And there's something else that's tugging at me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to like press pause and I'm going to go see what this thing is that's tugging at me. And maybe that's really where I'm meant to be right now. And this, I've invested a lot in shamelessly feminine, the book and it, you know, and again, it may come out, it may not, I don't know, but this, uh, that might've just been the path to this other thing. And I have to accept that, that, you know, I, I had a moment of like, it's such a waste of time and money and energy if I don't do it. And then Mm -hmm. I, I just said to myself, you know what, it's not, it's part of the journey. Just press pause. You can come back to it later if you want to. So, so much of it is, I think that, that internal communication, especially Mm -hmm. for women of like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to feel guilt if I don't want to feel guilt. I I have choices to make in my life. I can decide and I can be the boss of my life, even if I'm tied Mm -hmm. into a relationship and children and job or whatever, I still have these choices and totally taking responsibility for the parts of your life that you can be responsible for immediately. Absolutely. And I tell my clients often, like, there's no like right and wrong way. Like it's not wrong that you went to college. It's not wrong that I went back to church. It's not wrong. Any of this stuff, it's all information and it's all informing your next steps. And now you have more stuff going behind you. So I think when it comes to listening to your intuition, there's, there's two ways to kind of think of it. There's like the highway where you're just like, I'm not going to question. I'm just going to say yes and go with whatever my intuition says. And then there's like the scenic route where you don't listen to it. And then you take a couple of detours, you see some nice things, you might get stuck in the mud or whatever, but you're still on a journey. Like you're still moving forward. And in those dark moments, like, like you said, it's, you gotta just remember the only way out is through. You can stop. If you feel really lost, if you feel really unstable and allow yourself a moment to like regain your composure. And I think what you're doing with the book is so important. Like if you're coming up against something and it feels really hard and you're grinding and it's just like, Oh my gosh, like literally like grinding gears to get it done. Stop for a second and reset your compass. Like go back to the why, like what, why am I doing this? What is this for? And it might be that it needs to be put down and you'll pick it up later. Or it might be that this, you need to put it down because there's something else that has opened up in its place. But the process that you've already gone through to get it started is not wasted. Like you've Mm. learned so much about yourself, about book writing, you've gained knowledge in any situation that you're in. So there's no like a quote unquote mistake. There's no quote unquote wrong path. There's the highway and there's the, the, there's the slow boat to China, (laughs) but you're going to arrive where you need to be. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a matter of time and it's a matter of continuing to make those steps forward. Mm, Coco Chanel, sorry, Coco Chanel has a quote that I love. It's something, I'm not going to quote it word for word, but it's something to the effect of don't keep banging on a wall, hoping that it becomes a door. 
you know, it's like, you know, it's, that's it. You know, we, we need to sort of yeah. like, okay, well, I, I keep like, I'm hitting a hard spot here. Like, what am I going to do? Okay. I'm not, I can't expect it to become a door. How do I work around this? How do I, you know, so I really love that. I, I find her a great inspiration as far as, you know, empowerment and whatnot. So Totally. Okay. I want to give you a chance to pimp your program. So can you tell us what that is about? Because guaranteed there is somebody out there listening to this that needs you in their life. <laughs> well, thanks for the opportunity. Um, the Live Free Lifestyle. Ah, this is something I'm so, so proud of. It is a compilation of years of work, of training, of research, of my own mentorship with amazing coaches. Um, and it's culminated into this beautiful program that is just, I'm blown away by what it does for the women and what it does for me every time I lead it. So it runs in two ways. There's one-on-ones and then there's also the group session. So I don't do as many one-on-ones anymore just because my schedule has filled, but it's a program that essentially brings you back home to yourself. So it's an eight-week program that will take you from feeling lost and overwhelmed and unsure and indecisive to complete clarity around who you are, what you want, and how you're meant to show up in the world. So we go through everything from uncovering those limiting beliefs, going back to um, digging through like the stories that we have that are kind of running in the background, the things that are keeping us stuck or keep us running into the same walls, and we reprogram them. So it's a really forward-facing program. Um, that helps you to not only get clear about yourself, but about your relationships. You are going to be able to discover what actually brings you fulfillment, what you need to do to get there. And throughout it, there are tools that you pick up along the way. So after the program, you're fully equipped to continue peeling back those layers on your own. You have a, a proven and really comprehensive framework that will continue to guide you as you expand forward and with each stage of your growth. Amazing. And at minimum, you guys should read her book. Tell us again, the name of your book. (laughs) It's the live free lifestyle. It's a new way of life, a guide for transformation from living a lie to freeing your soul, right? Yes. That's the book. Yep. At minimum. And I have that book. You guys, obviously it's obviously on Amazon, but if you, um, I do have an Amazon shop. If you guys want to check out my Amazon shop, I lift all my favorite books there. Yours is in it. And, um, I love it. So if anybody wants to check you out, where are they going to find you? I am most active on Instagram. So if you have questions or anything and you want to reach out, you can hit me there. Um, You can find me on Instagram at leah.brathwaite. And you can find out more about me, my book, my program, all on my website, which is leahbrathwaite.com. And we will link all that in the show notes. So uh, it'll be nice and easy for everybody. Thank you so much, not only for being here today, especially with the time difference and everything, but for sharing (laughs) your gifts with the world. I I do believe that um, this struggle that you have gone through is not just valuable to you, but it's going to help so many women. And I just appreciate you going through all of that suffering (laughs) so that all of us can live a better life. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you. I can totally say the same about you, my dear. Thank Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you. And if you guys love this podcast, please make sure you give us a five-star rating and you subscribe and you share it with a girl that needs it just like we do, uh, or a woman. I Some people get offended by the word girl, so just going to put it out there. Woman, girl, I don't care, but everybody needs a little bit of Leah in their life, so share it up. All right, guys, have a happy 2020 to everybody, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.